Ooh. Helps if I was prepared, huh? Let's call to order the Avon Town Council meeting for December 7th, 2023. Please rise and join me for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. Thank you, everyone. Julie, would you take a roll call, please? Greg Zuzan. Present. Don Loudon. Present. Tim Roberts. Robert Pope. Present. Steve Eisenbarth. Present. Uh, first item on the agenda is a proclamation. Uh, Ryan, I assume you're speaking to this one. Our esteemed clerk treasurer is going to read it for us. Hey, all right. Julie, would you mind sharing with us this proclamation? All right, a proclamation by the Town of Avon. Black and Gold Day proclamation. Whereas the Town of Avon recognizes participation in the high school, academic and artistic programming and competition creates opportunities for students to develop as leaders and experience personal growth. And whereas the Avon Community School Corporation has built and sustained a nationally recognized education and music program that they have enriched and distinguished our community. Whereas the mission of the Avon Community School Corporation, all belong, learn, and grow, is embodied in the high level of academic achievement and artistic excellence demonstrated by the students, educators, and staff at the Avon High School. And whereas Avon High School earned the honor of being named the 2023 National Blue Ribbon School by the US Department of Education for High Academic Achievement, the only public high school in the state of Indiana to achieve this honor in 2023. And whereas the Avon High School Marching Black and Gold won an unparalleled 16th Indiana State School Music Association State Championship and their fourth Bands of America Grand National Championship during the fall 2023 marching band season. And whereas the Avon Town Council wishes to recognize the achievements of the Avon Community School Corporation now, therefore, the Town Council of Avon does here proclaim Friday, December the 15th, 2023, as Black and Gold Day. That's a big deal, and I know that's very close to your heart, Julie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got the official copy. We'll get that signed after and get it over to Scott. We do, and then there's going to be a presentation on December 11th at the school board meeting. So if any of you want to come, I will certainly be there. Um, or if you guys want to go as well and read the proclamation as well, that's going to be where they're kind of going to announce and recognize the band. So, What time is that? It should be 7. Usually it's a 7. I'll look it up and report that to you in the calendar. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 7, but thanks, Ryan. I think it is. <clears throat> Uh, next item is next item on the agenda is our consent agenda, which includes the check register for December 7th uh, for, for today. Uh, approval of our meeting minutes from November 16th, 16th, as well as our internal control audit, in, internal control annual report and our risk management annual report. Any questions for staff or would anyone like to make a motion? I'll make a motion that we accept all as presented. We have a first. Second. We have a first and a second. No further discussion. Julie, would you take a roll call vote, please? Robert Pope. Four. Greg Zuzan. Four. Don Loudon. Four. Steve Eisenbarth. Four. 
Uh, next item on the agenda is the first of two public comment opportunities. You may comment on items on the agenda that are not a public hearing or on a specific matter within the council's jurisdiction. Please come forward to the microphone, state your name and address, and please limit your time to three minutes. Seeing no one come forward, we'll close that section of public comment and move on to department updates. Shelby, you're the closest. Good evening. I feel like I'm good. All right. Shelby Pride, I'm the Parks and Recreation Director. Um, wrapping up the year, finalizing uh, my budget, making sure everything's squared away for that. Um, also, my staff have requested their time off for the end of the year, trying to use up what they can, and I'm allowing them. We've had a busy few months with events and, and everything, so I'm allowing them as much time off as possible. Um, I am very appreciative of everything they've done, especially this last half of the year. We had what seemed like event after event, so um, it's well-deserved. Speaking of events, we had our Veterans Day celebration on November 11th here. It was a beautiful night for an Indiana November night. A little chilly, but that's okay. It was successful. We had about 500 people in attendance. We thought we had a good count of what was down here and in the council chambers. But uh, when I went up to escort the drone show people out, they said uh, all up here was almost full of people that we couldn't even see. So the, the back half of the park was had quite a few people in it too. So I'm really excited about that. We received really good feedback. Um, we did a survey. Um, if we do the event again next year, we're looking forward to building on that and growing. Um, so thank you guys for allowing me to do that. Uh, it, was, it was well received. We had our annual Christmas tree lighting on Saturday, December 2nd. I don't know if when you drove in, you noticed something new, um, but she's big and glowy and she's changing colors um, out there, our new Christmas tree. Um, again, well received from the community. Um, I'm really glad that we were able to bring this kind of beacon of um, what that looks like for Avon. Um, we, our plans are to change um, the sequencing of the lights weekly throughout the month of December to kind of give everybody um, a show as they drive by. Hopefully it's not too bright. I haven't heard any complaints. Um, again, that was a successful event. We had Santa, we had live reindeer, we had some elves. The Grinch made an appearance, which was me. <laughs> um, it was really good. We had two Avon High School choirs here and their families, so we were really happy that we could really just celebrate Avon that night. Our Park and Recreation Beautification Committee, which is known as the PRBC, met last night. Uh, we had a packed meeting. It was about almost a two-hour meeting. Uh, we had an update from Context, which is our landscape architect on the Burnett Woods property. Um, looking forward to bringing that to you guys here in the next couple of months. And then I uh, gave updates on growth and staffing um, with the sports department specifically and what that's looking like. And and that's going really well. And then uh, deciding on our 2024 meeting schedule. That's all I had. Just one question. Just one comment. On the, the Christmas tree is great. Thank you. I, I was talking to someone today. They said, well, my, my little girl Izzy cannot go underneath the tree and have her picture taken looking up. You know? I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, that is a thing, evidently. I had no idea that people were getting under the tree last year, you know, for the previous years. And I heard some comments that night, too. Well, I, I told her mom, I said, 
I don't miss the day when I was the one plugging in the tree and I have to get it exactly the right when that fake switch went on. I said, that was a lot of stress. <laughs> so uh, you know, it looks beautiful and Thank you've you. done a great job with it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Shelby. Thank you. Uh, good evening, uh, <clears throat> Sean Stoops, Chief of Police. Uh, we received notice today that we were awarded uh, another Indiana Criminal Justice Institute Edwards Byrne Memorial Justice Assistant Grant. Uh, most of us know it as the JAG Grant uh, as part of our 2024 Comprehensive Road Crime Prevention Initiative. Uh, it's in the amount of $24,000 uh, and it will go towards paying our officers additional overtime to work additional shifts in designated areas of focus to help prevent and reduce serious and violent criminal acts. So um, <clears throat> our uh, grant writers over there are still knocking that one out of the park. So we've been able to get that now for the last several years. So we just have to keep coming up with a new idea every year uh, to do that. So kudos to them. We appreciate that, that work they put into that grant. Uh, Officer Gabriel Copley, uh, he'll be graduating from ILEA December 15th. Uh, then once he returns, uh, he'll resume his field training program before he's uh, released to work on his own out on the street. <clears throat> uh, officers Monica Childers and William Clark, um, they will actually be starting the academy on December 18th. Um, and then they'll spend the next 16 weeks at the academy receiving their instruction in law enforcement studies. <clears throat> officers will participate in Shop with the Cop uh, coming up this Sunday, alongside other police officers and sheriff's deputies uh, from Hendricks County and in and, and, uh, recognition of our FOP Lodge 132. Uh, and this couldn't be possible without all of the generous uh, donations by all of you, as well as people uh, throughout the state of Indiana. So we're gonna hopefully make about 60 kids a little happier on Sunday. Let them go on a shopping spree. <clears throat> we also wanna thank uh, Meyer for their participation in that. They've done that every year since, uh, since they've been open and they, they always kick in a little something extra and really make it a special day for all of the, the kids and the families. So we thank them as well. <clears throat> uh, we received 58 applicants for our intelligence analyst position. Uh, our hiring committee narrowed that down to six uh, positions, uh, six uh, candidates the other day, um, and they'll start their first round of interviews with those on December 18th. And then um, we kind of think we're going to narrow it down just a little bit further after that for one more interview uh, and hopefully be able to make that higher in January sometime of 2024. Our canine team has identified a new canine to replace the late Indo. Uh, her name is Seeley. Uh, we have received the check from our insurance company for most of the replacement cost. Uh, so um, opting in for that canine insurance a couple years ago paid off uh, this year, unfortunately. Uh, we can't wait to meet her. Uh, she's going to be a nar narcotic detection canine, and most likely she'll kind of be uh, sent to some other training like uh, Indo was for search and rescue and things of that nature. <clears throat> uh, this quarter, we took about 220 pounds of unwanted prescriptions and over and over the counter medications, prescription medicines and over the counter medicines uh, this quarter to Covanta uh, for drug disposal. This is part of our drug take back program. 
Um, so we, we just want to reiterate uh, to everyone, please, please, please bring that in so that we can dispose of those medications properly because uh, everybody that helps uh, do that kind of helps keep the water and the land from becoming contaminated. So please keep that up. Um, I know some of you have asked, and I think we now have an official answer. PTO balances are at 240 or less. So everyone is below the maximum threshold, uh, or they will be by the end of December once they've used the scheduled leave uh, that they have scheduled. Congratulations. Yeah. Excuse me. Congratulations. <laughs> I know that yeah, was hard for you guys. It's, it's tough with over 40 people to get them to do that. So. Um, we attended the Youth Civic Engagement Council um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, with some of the other town staff as well as community leaders. Uh, we got to meet some really talented and bright Avon High School students. They're focusing on developing themselves as servant leaders and asked us to join them uh, to try to get some ideas on maybe some projects and ideas that we could collaborate and work together on um, and, and try, to make, try to make some uh, community uh, initiatives work here in our community as well. Uh, tomorrow's the last day that we will be accepting toys for the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy toy drive. Uh, we'll be delivering those toys uh, to the Academy on Monday morning. So uh, if anyone would like to make a donation, they could still do that. Just drop those off in the lobby and we'll deliver those with the rest on Monday. Um, if you've already donated, thank you very much. Uh, you're gonna help make Christmas a little brighter for some children in need. The Indiana Blue Star Spirit of Christmas event uh, is still in need of some volunteers to help wrap gifts. Uh, we'll be doing that on December 13th at 6 p.m. at the Hendricks County Fairgrounds at the Expo Hall. If you're not familiar with what that is, it's kind of led by, uh, if you know him, you know him by the name of Zach. Uh, and uh, he, he leads that as part of the Blue Star program uh, to help some of those families who are currently or have served our country in the armed services. Um, and they reach out to several families every year for this hol holiday celebration and really make it a special event for them. Um, so if you can come out, it's pretty festive. They have Christmas music. There's some light refreshments. Uh, you can bring your family and make it. You can also make it a competition because we try to see who can wrap uh, their table the fastest. Uh, so that's, that's kind of fun. So if you're looking for something to do to get in the Christmas spirit or just add to it, uh, we'd like to see you there. And, uh, and the other plus is you get to see Zach. So uh, how good is that? Um, in your packet, you should have all of the statistical data for the month of November. Um, there's not, everything's pretty much on average. Uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have. Thanks, Sean. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bill, Angel. I think that's it. Um, I've got a couple of department heads on leave. I've got a couple, um, I've got one on vacation. So you got lucky this month, but not so many reports. Fair enough. <clears throat> Fair enough. Thank you. Uh, we'll move You're on. You're not going to give the report for them? That, that you was, better be careful. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it if you want it. <laughs> Short and sweet is good tonight, right? <laughs> Uh, move on. Next item is council comment and liaison reports. We'll start with you, Ms. Loudon. Nothing to report. Um, the last chamber 
monthly meeting is tomorrow, I believe. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mr. Susan. Uh, attended the RDC meeting on the 20th. I had a meeting with Family Promise, Dan Taylor, <clears throat> Julie Randall, and Amy Comer Broderick about an MOU for their properties over here on Avon Avenue or the town's properties. Had the plan commission meeting on the 27th. And that's it. Thanks, Greg. Mr. Eisenbarth? Yeah, everybody's in the holiday spirit. My uh, committees basically have been just taking their time to wish me to come to their things to eat, but, you know, I just can't eat all that stuff. So, no, uh, it's been very good. Um, it's probably too early to say a Happy New Year, everybody, or Christmas, but uh, it's been uh, in the spirit, though. So that's all I have. Thanks, Steve. Um, we had the exit interview for our state audit, but the details aren't yet uh, available for public consumption. Uh, it is my opinion that we will be satisfied with the outcome. Uh, as Sean mentioned, Ryan, Sean, Shelby, and I met with that high school's youth civic engagement council Tuesday afternoon, and it was it was nice to see a refresh to their mission to kind of coordinate with the community. Um, earlier today, I met with uh, Jeff Banning along with Doug Puckett from IU Health. Um, just to discuss their vision of the property north of them, north of IU Health, uh, IU Health West, uh, with the goal of coordinating that development with Avon Landing. Um, it's very, very early, very visionary type, um, but I think that went very well, and I'll, I'll be sharing with you guys more details later. Uh, as well, the tree lighting Saturday was a wonderful event. Great job, Shelby, Tiffany, and the entire Parks Department. Uh, Tim and I did have the honor of getting to read some stories to some community kids, and it was, it was a very special event, so thank you. That is all. I have. Moving on, first item under new business, introduction, PUD amendment, Avon Landing, phase two. You or, or Bill speaking to this one? I don't think either of us are. I think we'll we'll introduce uh, Matt Price and Phil Racy um, from the development group, and I think they're going to do a brief introduction and an explanation for you. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, again, Phil Racy, Van Trust Real Estate. Thank you, Council, for, for having us out. Um, and Matt, you, any technical questions will have will involve Matt. But uh, I think, as some of the council members know, um, Ryan, John, and myself have been uh, pursuing an opportunity. And actually, Council President Pope uh, was actually one of the at one of the meetings with the client. So uh, we have our phase two. I don't know if the plan is going to be up there, but um, okay, we do yeah. have it. Though. Oh, you do have it. Oh, yeah, you have it in your yeah. packet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously, you know where our spec building is that we built the three hundred thirty-two thousand square foot building. Um, we are starting to get some interest in that finally, which is good. So uh, hopefully by the start of the new year, we'll have some companies uh, moving in there. Um, but our next phase is 61 acres just south of that, that project. Uh, we were going through our final due diligence and you know, going through our kind of our spec building plan. Um, during that process, an existing customer uh, approached us about a potential build-a-suit in Indianapolis or Columbus, Ohio. Um, and actually, I just got back from their facility in Las Vegas that we built for them uh, out west. So existing customer, really good brand. I think Ryan and his team have been working with the county and the state uh, on the incentive piece. But they've really they've narrowed it down. I think it started with 15 sites. They're down to three in Indianapolis and one in Columbus, Ohio still. Um, I think they might be leaning towards Indianapolis just from the way they've been interacting. But we'll see uh, how their decision making uh, occurs. But as a part of you know, us getting in front of the opportunity, we obviously need to amend the PUD sentence allowing for buildings larger than 400,000 square feet. 
Uh, currently, they're proposing a 723,000 square foot building. Um, we tried to be respectful of the council and limit it to just build a suit. No speculative um, buildings would, would be allowed with that change, and you'd have to know the customer and understand their job and their investment in the community. Um, and we are the only site that doesn't have the zoning and the tax abatement in place. So those are the two big risk factors from the company before we get them to commit. We need to solve those and take reasons uh, for them to say no to us off the table. So um, again, we had a good tour of their project You know, out, out west. We were with them for three hours. Uh, they're looking to try and make their decision, I think, early January um, and hopefully be in by February of 2025. So it's a pretty quick time period, it's a pretty complicated uh, building and it's a very large building and they've got a big kind of personal property investment that, that needs to go in. So happy to answer any questions, I guess, on the PUD or how the tax abatement may interact with that. The council. Any questions for the petitioner? Developer? My only comment is within this ordinance that um, we, if, if we approve and I support it, is just for this build to suit project. If yep. this project doesn't materialize, it reverts back or it is, is what is currently zoned as up to 400,000 square feet. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yep. And that's yep. the way it's drafted. Okay. Yep. Smiling comment. Mm -hmm. so I, I want to reiterate that um, I know the council's vision in the past has been limit these, in the, especially in this location, but um, I think we're really excited about the possibility of the, the unknown uh, uh, company coming, potentially coming here. So um, as John has told us, we want to stay in the hopper as much as we can. This is another one of those steps to help keep us in that hopper. So um, I like the um, only build the suit. So it really limits it to, okay, hang on. If you're not coming here specifically for that company, then put it back to give us that, that gives that limitation back again. So. Yep. Yeah. As written, I think it just it just makes sense, and we definitely want to support and give you all the encouragement we can there. Yeah, we appreciate it. And you guys have done a great job so far. So, we just need to go win it. <laughs> Hearing no further, we'll show the uh, PUD amendment for Avon Landing Phase Two is introduced. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Next item on the agenda: resolution. Yep, resolution 2023-15-2024 meeting schedule. And I assume you're speaking to this one, right? Yes, I will. Yeah, every year, as you guys are aware, we ask you to adopt as a resolution your meeting schedule for the next year. Part of that is the transparency so we can get it on our calendar and the public knows when your meetings are. Uh, as typical, your meeting schedule, this shows meeting the second and fourth Thursday of every month, the only two months where it's different. I know this year... Uh, was a little we were a little off so we were like four months of first and third uh, but for next year there'll only be um, November and December we'll meet first and third but the entire rest of the year we'll meet the second and fourth I'm happy to answer any questions seeing, seeing no questions would anyone like to make a motion <clears throat> I make a motion that we accept resolution 2023-15 for the 2024 meeting schedule I'll, I'll second. Julie, would you mind taking a roll call vote, please? Don Lund? Four. Greg Susan? Four. Robert Pope? Four. Steve Eisenbarth? Four. Uh, next item on the agenda is public hearing and resolution of 2023-16, Avon Landing Phase 2 ERA confirmatory resolution and tax abatement for Van Trust. 
I assume you want to speak to it first before I open the public hearing. Yeah, I'll maybe just do a little a, a brief introduction. Um, this is the tax abatement process. So as you guys recall, at your last meeting, you guys have to actually pass a declaratory resolution uh, declaring it an economic revitalization area, uh, which you guys did. Then we have to advertise uh, 10 days in advance. We also have to notify all the other taxing entities that would be impacted. Uh, so we did notify the school, the township, and the county and the library. And so they all received a notice as well, uh, as well of all the information for the tax abatement. Um, we also have a tax abatement committee, which consists of myself, John Taylor, and Dr. Wyndham, uh, superintendent for the school corporation. And uh, we did review it and discuss it. And our recommendation is that you support and pass um, the tax abatement. And so uh, you guys do need to hold your public hearing. And then if you have any questions, uh, Phil just got up and spoke about the project as well. So if you have any questions for him or for me, we're happy to answer those. Let us open the public hearing first. Uh, at this time at 7.27 p.m., I will open the public hearing. Please come forward to the microphone, state your name and address, and please limit your time to three minutes. Seeing no one come forward, we'll close the public hearing at this time. Move on to any questions for petitioner or for staff. My only question is, is this resolution 2023-16 or in the paperwork it says 2023-15? Oh, good catch it I, does. No, it's been fixed. fixed it. it just didn't get uploaded to the packet, but it has been fixed. It is resolution 2023-16. I'll make a motion that we <coughs> accept resolution 2023-16. Second. We have a first and a second. Any further discussion? Julie, would you mind taking a roll call vote, please? Steve Eisenbarth? Four. Greg Zuzan? Four. Don Loudon? Four. Robert Pope? Four. Next item on the agenda, resolution 2023-17, authorization to acquire right-of-way for 150 South Trail Project. Yeah, as you guys are aware, anytime the town wants to acquire right-of-way, we do have to get authorization from the town council. So the right-of-way we're asking for approval to acquire is for a trail project on 150 South. Um, this actually started as a very large project, but just due to our funding availability, we did have to break it into two phases. So the phase that's in front of you today is from Dan Jones to the Avon High School on the south side of 150 South. The next phase, which we're planning for um, 2025, and we'll probably try to acquire right away next year for, would be from then Avon Avenue over to um, basically 625, not quite 625, it just has to get to Apple Creek. But that would create the loop that would connect all of our western suburbs to the high school and then this one connects this one is particularly important it's a kind of a small segment obviously you guys can tell by the fact that it's only six parcels uh, that add up to about fifty thousand dollars the significance of it is there's really no trail connectivity there now but when we do the dan jones widening phase two project that will bring the sidewalks all south and with the roundabout there it'll actually stub the trail out which will then connect to this piece so this will connect all of Dan Jones down south and then connect all to the high school. So it is a, a even though it's a small segment of, of trail, um, it'll have a big impact ultimately uh, next year when it's done in, in correlation with the Dan Jones phase two project. Uh, as always with the resolutions, um, staff does ask for a little bit of leeway. I did provide in your packet 
Um, we do appraisals for these. So the values of the property are based on the appraisals. Uh, I do ask for a little leeway in order to negotiate and try to acquire those parcels uh, so we can try to avoid condemnation if possible. And so um, as the resolution mentions, I've asked for authorization for $50,000 and the source for payment for that would be from the recreation impact fee. Happy to answer any questions. I like the way you've been going after and putting the trails in and just making these connections when we can. So, you know, that's just a comment. My only comment is on in your spreadsheet here, you're asking for 50, but it looks like in our program funding, we've uh, budgeted 80. So we're gonna be less than budget. Yeah, that's correct. It may be a little misleading because some of the sometimes we put the acquisition, like the right of way engineering and the appraisal costs in there, too. So it still may be 80, but the actual right of way may be 50 and the engineering, the other piece may be 30. Any further questions? Would anyone like to make a motion? I, I have one more question. Oh, so you're asking for some leeway, but I thought as a municipality, we can only pay uh, what the appraised value is. I'll let our turn next to that. Not for right-of-way acquisition. The right-of-way acquisition rules allow you to, uh, in, in recognition of the fact that uh, paying a little more is better than going to court and spending the money for condemnation proceedings, the law allows you to have a settlement of that, which is, doesn't follow the strict structure of the sale or purchase of land. Okay. That's a good question. Any other questions? If not, would anyone like to make a motion? I'll make a motion that we accept and approve resolution 2023-17, the authorization to acquire the right-of-way for the 150 South Trail. Does that need to- Not that, to exceed $50,000. Mm -hmm. You got it anyway, thank you. We have a we have a motion, would anyone like to second? I'll, I'll second. Okay. <laughs> Julie, would you mind taking a roll call vote, please? Robert Pope? Four. Greg Susan? Four. Steve Eisenbarth? Four. Don Loudon? Four. Next item on the agenda, resolution 2023-18, approving NDOT mileage certification. Yeah, in order, as you guys are aware, MVH and LRS funding that we receive that helps us maintain and upkeep our roads is based on our road mileage. So uh, typically every year we try to uh, submit whatever new road mileage. There can be several things that can trigger that. It may be new subdivision streets constructed. If the town was to build a new street, um, any of those things we have to add into the inventory so that then that goes into the formula for our distribution. So uh, our public works department and our uh, GIS uh, technician, Jordan, has done a wonderful job and found that we have 58,196.71 uh, feet of new street to add or about 11.02 miles. So that's a pretty significant increase to us. So um, in order to do that, we do need something official from the town council that says you have had, you've accepted the streets. It technically already happens anyway when the plats get recorded, but NDOT wants a resolution or something. So this is more of just fulfilling our documentation to NDOT. And so we do recommend that you approve resolution 2023-18. Happy to answer any questions. Any questions for staff? No. The GIS, I, I really appreciate them putting the graphic there. You can, we can see exactly where they're at and that really helps. Would you like to make a motion? I'll make a motion. All right. That we accept 
um, I think I just switched my page here. The resolution as uh, proposed. Is that resolution 2023-18? That is it. <laughs> we have a first, anyone would like to second? I'll second. We have a first and a second. Julie, would you take a roll call vote, please? Steve Eisenbart? Four. Don Loudon? Four. Robert Pope? Four. Greg Zuzan? Four. Next item on the agenda is final reading ordinance 2023-25, Village Place Townhomes. And I assume you got up to the mic, you're speaking to this one. Mr. Oh, Davis. yeah. That's <laughs> a rezoning. I got to speak occasionally. Um, good evening, members of the council, Bill Peoples, Planning Director for the town. I'm coming before you here tonight with a Village Place Townhome development. It's approximately 11 acres north of the Costco, little L-shaped property right there. Uh, plan commission has seen that one two times before and and you all have seen well, no I think it was withdrawn before that came to you the last time um, this request was filed for review by the plan commission at their October meeting it was continued from the October meeting to the November meeting uh, because of traffic concerns but the plan commission did conduct a public hearing on the November 27th date um, this is, as previously mentioned, an 80-unit development of attached single-family dwellings on 11 acres. It consists of about 15 buildings, and each of those buildings range between four and six units apiece. Um, these townhomes would be individually platted, privately owned, and the gross density of the entire development would be about 7.2 no, to 7.3 units an acre. <laughs> Uh, property is adjacent to a health complex, medical offices, and a fitness center to the west. Every commercial development to the north or south, I'm sorry, a church, and three residential lots to the north. And then across uh, 900, uh, uh, a line of street frontage, single family residential homes. The plan designates this property for area retail. And uh, this development proposal is not consistent necessarily with that recommendation. However, the plan also has an area just adjacent to the north that's, that's um, uh, called, it's the, um, oh, doggone it, um, specialty housing. I'm sorry, special, the specialty housing uh, recommendation. And the plan is structured and written in such a way so you can, you can move these, uh, these, these recommendations, you know, shade them a little bit more, or use the underlying zoning if you want to. Uh, so while the uh, area retail uh, designation is not really technically specifically for this type of development. Uh, it This development would be consistent with the specialty housing recommendation, which is to the north. Uh, additionally, it's the belief of the staff uh, that this proposal would be more compatible with the adjoining residential uses both to the east and to the north uh, and to the church use to the north as well. So we think that the, from a, a comprehensive plan standpoint, there's, there's room there to allow that um, to be consistent with the plan. Um, now, while this is more of a platting requirement, what I'm about to say right now, this is the UDO does require developments exceeding 49 units to have two means of ingress and egress to the street, either to two separate public streets or to the same street, but separated by 1200 feet. There's no possible way for this L-shaped property to do that. Uh, so uh, what they propose is an ingress-egress um, easement through the Costco site uh, to allow for that second means of ingress and egress. Again, that's a platting requirement, but it should be noted that as you're reviewing this, that is, that is you do have a UDO requirement uh, for two means of ingress. 
and egress, and they will have to request a waiver by the plan from the plan commission when they plot this property. County 900 East, County Road 900 East, Collector Street, they will have to dedicate a 50 foot half right of way uh, on this property uh, at the time of platting. Uh, at, at the public hearing on November 27th, there was significant remonstrance to this petition, uh, most revolving around additional traffic uh, on 900 East. That was the reason for the continuance from the October meeting and the petitioner then conducted a traffic, a transport, a traffic operational analysis on the site. It's a little step below a traffic study. The, the way our ordinance is structured, uh, a development has to be 150 lots or above, you have to 150 units or above to actually require a traffic study. And, and, and the reason for that is usually under that, the mechanisms of the ordinance handle uh, the, the traffic. And that's exactly what happened here. The, the recommendations on this particular traffic operational analysis were for a two-way inbound, a two-way street, a, a stop sign uh, on the interior street and XL decel lanes, which are all requirements of the ordinance and would be constructed by ordinance. Um, the operational analysis did indicate that there would be a minimal impact on, on traffic from this development out to 900. Uh, and really the only degradation of service will be the actual residents of the subdivision as they're trying to get out of the development, either in morning or evening peak. I think morning peak was a B, evening peak was a C as far as the level of service on that particular in, intersection. Uh, as previously mentioned, the, 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 this case actually received two full hearings one in October, one in November. Um, and on the November hearing, they did forward this petition to you with a favorable recommendation. And that favorable recommendation was by a vote of five to one. That favorable recommendation came with nine individual commitments. Some of these commitments were uh, requested by the staff. Uh, many of them were uh, uh, presented to the plan commission by the petitioner themselves, um, voluntary commitments by the petitioner. Um, and those nine commitments are such, the dwellings, uh, apartment buildings, small and dwellings, apartment buildings, large shall be prohibited. Those are permitted uses in the zoning district they're requesting. And so we're excluding those by commitment in this particular one. Um, the ordinance is silent on what the architectural standards are for a or a attached single family dwelling. So by commitment, we're asking that the architectural standards for a detached single family dwelling apply to this particular piece of property. Uh, eight foot asphalt trail constructed through the development connecting a trail along County Road 900 East that will be constructed with the trail system within the Satori Point plan unit development. This was something that came up during the platting of the American Homes for Rent development um, back about four or five months ago. Uh, they agreed to do that, and we're just bringing that forward into this one. We'd like to be able to connect the trail in the Satori Point with the trail along uh, 900. Uh, the, the petitioner has agreed or has actually proposed a 50-foot tree conservation easement uh, all along uh, the, uh, the area where it adjoins a Prairie Manor, Manor, Manor subdivision. There's no real requirement 
for a buffer yard in between a, a single family dwellings, attached or detached single family dwellings. So this is in, a, in addition, it should be noted it's tree conservation. So if they've got to install, not preservation, conservation. So if they have to install uh, infrastructure associated with drainage requirements and those sorts of things, or they need to grub out some of the undergrowth or remove some dead trees, they're perfectly free to do that sort of thing with a conservation uh, easement. They have agreed that in the event that they have to remove a live tree, that they'll replace it with two uh, new trees. Um, restrictive covenants shall prohibit street parking on the streets within the development. Uh, exterior townhomes, the exterior of the townhomes shall be maintained by the homeowners association. Uh, any lease of a townhome shall be a permit be for a minimum of 30 days. Should be noted for the record that that was not something requested by the town. That was a voluntary commitment that was made by the property owner. Uh, and the developer shall complete improvements as recommended by the traffic operational analysis prepared by ANF Engineering. And as I said, those improvements are largely what we require by the ordinance right now as it is. Again, plan commission did forward to this favorable recommendation. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. The petitioner is here. Uh, if you have any questions for the petitioner as well, and I believe he's brought a brief presentation if you want to hear. Thank you very much. Let's ask some questions for Bill, and then we might call the petitioner up for now. So stick around there, Bill, please. I know, Bill, that you said that there wasn't really a standard in there that was um, specifically for the attached single-family homes versus detached single-family homes. But I thought that we had all discussed when we were going for a higher-density type zoning that we would go to the enhanced architectural standards. So I'm curious as to why just the base UDO standards were requested here. Um, in the ordinance itself, it didn't have any. So we have architectural standards for multifamily. We have architectural standards for detached single family, but we don't have anything really that specifically states these are the requirements for attached single family. And so we just, uh, the staff just requested that they, we use the detached single family because we had no standard. So we wanted to make sure that there was one. Um, we wouldn't have any objection to the enhanced architectural standards, but that would probably require a trip back to the plan commission if you chose to do that. I'm just- Unless there's a voluntary, you know, acceptance. No. May I? Absolutely. So um, Bill, is the, uh, <clears throat> but the standards that, are in the condition are <clears throat> higher than for multifamily, are they not? Was that the reason the staff picked that for that uh, those features? No, I mean, the reason we requested those features was merely because there were no standards at all in the ordinance. It's something that we've got to fix. Well, there were no standards, but why did you recommend those standards then? Because it was an attached single family project. So we went with the detached single family because it was a similar one. Most closely related. Yeah, it was you most thought? closely related to the, the the land use that was being requested. Couldn't uh, the petitioner could have written his own standards, its own standards in its in, in the proposal, or made some requests of that nature? But this is the staff's recommendation. This was to be clear. This is the the three um, first were the staff's recommended 
uh, commitments and everything from four on below were those the commitments that were voluntarily submitted by the plan uh, the, by the petitioner. I still stand with my question. I guess I don't understand because when we have a developer coming and asking for increased um, density, we've discussed many times that we want the enhanced standards to offset the increased density. Well, that would be density that exceeds the density allowed in that zoning district. Yeah, I understand your question now. Right. Um, so they're not asking for a, so the enhanced architectural standards would allow you to increase the density on a subdivision plat. So if they were going to the plan commission, let's say for instance, it's R2, and the R2 has a cap of three units an acre, but let's say they, they want four units an acre. Well, then they would agree to the enhanced architectural standards. They would submit elevations of the buildings they propose to build, and then we would review them, and then the plan commission could approve uh, uh, increased density. They're simply asking for a rezoning to R4 that would allow them to build to that density by right. So they wouldn't have to use the enhanced architectural standards to get to that density. The density that they propose is permitted by right in the R4 zoning district. Did I answer your question? Well, the R4 zoning, they could put in 130 units. Right. They could. They're not increasing anything. So really they're putting in less units. So they're not putting in more to enhance the architectural right. staff. So I don't think there's a need to do that. Yeah, they're just switching from R2, what is currently R2, asking us to increase the density level to an R4. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, they're proposing beyond the proposed R4 to require right. any enhanced standards. Right? So they're going to R4 for a reason. So the R2 district would uh, allows single family dwellings. It doesn't allow the other type. It doesn't allow it to attach single family. Uh, so they need the R4 zoning district to construct the attached single family product. They need it for the land use. Uh, also, R2 has a density cap of four units an acre if they use the enhanced architectural standards. They're coming in at about 7.28. Uh, so they would need a higher zoning classification. Even if they were using the enhanced architectural standards in the R2 district, they wouldn't be able to get to seven. Any other questions for Bill? Well, my only question, do we know where they stand with the Costco agreement? Is that for the petitioner? Um, they filed the plat. It was filed last Friday. I, I let them file the plat before the, the, they, I do this occasionally. I let them file a plat and I tell them, you know, it's a risk because if the, you all deny the zoning, then we just dismiss the plat and you're out the money. And they, they, they agree to it. And so we let them go just so that they compress the time frame uh, to get their approvals. Um, and I haven't reviewed it to check and see, but we'll make sure if you all approve this, that they have the proper documents in place um, before the plan commission. Here's a primary plat. As far as having that uh, agreement recorded uh, between the two property owners. I assume what you're referring to is the second ingress egress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the easement. So they'll have to get, uh, they'll have to secure an easement uh, through the Costco property uh, for access. And then the, the fire department has about five or six different conditions for that access, but that's all contingent upon you all approving the zoning. 
And I think when we talked when they came in for the initial reading, is that going to be stubbed off most of the time and then have emergency vehicle access so that people aren't using that as a yeah, roadway? Because it's, it's really it, not. It's going to be gated with a, a, a Knox box. Uh, and a Knox box is an emergency. It's like a key. Uh, they, they get out and they, they can at any time open that. The fire department and the fire, police department have Knox box. Well, I don't know if the police department have Knox box keys, but I know the fire department does. Uh, most of the emergency management people have the Knox box keys and they can gain access to buildings and or uh, sites that, 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 have, that have a Knox box on them. You don't put it underneath the, the welcome mat in the front yard. They usually have a big, you'll, you'll see if you, now that you know, you'll go up and you'll see a big red box on the side of the building with knocks on it. And you say, oh, that's where they keep the knocks key. And that's, that's where, that's where it is. So, so Bill, are we, can we make this conditional on that second site is, uh, is secured? Uh, yeah. part, pardon me. What's the right word? One Dan, of the commitments. One of the commitments. We can, can we put this One as a commitment nine. to ensure that this second egress, ingress, egress is a part of this reason? I think that's what you're getting. Yes, at that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, that was my question too. So thanks. Well, it's already in there, isn't it? It's not in here because it's. So I didn't. We didn't make it a commitment because it's an ordinance requirement. And so the oh, that's right. It'll come up in planning. It'll come up in planning. Has to do an actual waiver of that standard to permit it. it yeah, that's right. It's, it's caught in the next phase. Then that, I'm yeah. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is uh, this particular proposed emergency access is much better than most because if the there it's for the fire department or uh, ambulances really, and if they need to get through there because the other entrance is blocked then obviously this is a paved surface uh, in a commercial area and the emergency people would know where it is and sure they have to unlock the gate and all that, but there are several emergency entrances um, in subdivisions in this town where it is a grassy area with uh, certain um, masonry or brick underneath the grass. Sure. And nobody, those are hard to find sometimes. You don't really know where those are. So actually from the emergency responders point of view, this is a perfect kind of emergency access for, for every, in a, you know, every way that matters. And as Bill mentioned, uh, there's no way to put two entrances on this lot because of the narrow road, uh, road facing, facing it has. But if you are familiar with the uh, area where you've got a pretty heavy retail used to the south, the YMCA to the west, and then a normal residential, single-family residential development to the north. Um, it, it takes a unique solution. We thought commercial offices, and that uh, that was not economically feasible, didn't come before us. There have been some other residential. So um, the ability of the petitioner to work out this uh, emergency access with Costco has been uh, vitally important, but it'll it'll be dealt with at platting, and we'll review. Uh, both Bill and I will review that those documents to make sure that they're perpetual, and that they um, satisfy the requirements of true access. And then, will that road be public or private? Since it's a stub. Private. Yeah. It, and they'll be responsible for clearing snow to make it accessible. Yeah, that, that's part of the things that we will look at in the Declaration of Covenants, how that's going to be maintained. Um, normally, we don't do a deep dive on the Declaration of Covenants because they're basically private agreements. Uh, 
between the property owners, but in this particular case, we'll we'll ensure that the covenants have that proper language in it, and that the uh, easement is properly recorded and perpetual as part of the platting process. Just one question on the uh, the residents that had the concerns on 900, and then after the traffic operations analysis, was there any enhancements from the ANF study? that uh, we needed to act on or that the developer needed to act on? Nothing, there was nothing in the study that was not something that we require as part of our ordinances, uh, that public works require. It was essentially a left turn lane into the development, a stop sign uh, to way in and out of the development. Um, and, and they were all things that we, and Axel diesel lanes, which are all things that we require with these developments. Is it fair to say, I know this is a hard one to answer, but that majority of the residents would be acceptable after that analysis and, their, and the results of that, that they that their concerns were mitigated or answered some? Or no. <laughs> no. No. No, they're still, okay. No, no. I mean, as far as how they were at the hearing, no, they, they weren't. Okay. They weren't. Uh, uh, it's a typical public hearing that where they didn't. Uh, <laughs> I understand. Uh, That's always a tough one. But was there anything of substance that you can point to that maybe we should be aware of uh, um, from residents concerned there? Uh, the, the two main ones, the residents concerned during the remonstrance was traffic along eight, uh, 900. Um, but this development was putting out about 30 Small cars uh, yeah. during evening and uh, even, during morning and evening peak onto the traffic. Okay. Um, so that and it did not adversely impact the road system. The only real impact was a, probably a, a fairly long delay for people in the development trying to get out of it. But the, the activities along the road system were not going to be negatively impacted as long as we had XLD cell and mm -hmm. turn lanes. Um, um, the other one was property values. Okay. Um, so it, the traffic concerns along 900 come with every petition along 900 sure. so far. So yeah, that's the, 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 that was pretty standard. But the, the property value argument was also made. But well, the other thing to point out is this project is in Avon. Just to the north is the county. Mm -hmm. To the north of that is Avon. And then to the north of that is the county. So yeah, the so the traffic... A lot of the traffic issues are associated more with the commercial development to the immediately to the south. Uh, that that generates far more traffic than this little eighty unit development will do. Mm -hmm. However, we did a traffic study three years ago, and we there were nine recommendations on that traffic study, and we did eight of them. And the only one we didn't do were improvements to the roundabout at one hundred north. And the reason we didn't do improvements to the roundabout at nine hundred north is because it's not our roundabout; it's right. the county's roundabout. Sounds like it's all, you know, everything's safe and, you know, I don't have any concerns anymore. And I, I think it's a good use of the land personally. I've got my typical, I want to backstop. I, I, I take my training seriously there, Dan. Thank you. Um, Bill, how does this proposal compare to our comp plan's vision for this area? Well, it, it, the comp plan allows you to expand, extend a, a boundary. And what I would argue on this particular case is that it's much more important to have a transition between 
the heavy commercial to the south and the single family residential to the north than it is to strictly apply the area retail recommendation to this plan. So I would say in the plan, in the comp plan allows you to do that. It's to take that specialty housing recommendation that butts right up against that area retail and just shift it to the south over this property. And if you do that, the, the proposal is consistent with the comprehensive plan. Can you compare the character of this proposal as it relates to the surrounding area and the consistency between them? Uh, it's, it's so uh, to the north, your single family residential is large lot single family residential right around 1.6 units an acre. This comes in at about seven, uh, 7.2 units an acre. So it's, it's a little bit more dense, but you got to remember immediately to the south of that, you have a very heavy and very highly used commercial. So flowing through this site, you have a very good transition. The petitioner has proposed a 50 foot buffer in between that subdivision and the, the, the townhomes here, which with the tree conservation is easement. So the only place that this particular development would actually touch those lots um, is gonna have a 50 foot tree conservation area in it. Therefore, uh, they would have more protection than what the ordinance allows. On it, it would be far less transition. Yes, it yeah, it's a good transition between the heavy commercial and the single family. Is right. this I think the homes affected are probably four within that development. It's, yeah, and it's, also remember that development is not in the town of Avon. Yeah, three single family, three and maybe about 40 feet of, of, a, of a fourth lot. Right. Is this proposal the most desirable use for this land given the surrounding area and the community's growth at large? M my argument would be yes, it is, but just because it's a transitional transition. use. Uh, if this development were to go through, how do you expect this to impact property values in the surrounding area? It wouldn't, I can't imagine it would impact property values in any significant way whatsoever. Uh, this one's a little larger because there's uh, responsible growth can cover a large area. What concerns, if any, might this development have on responsible growth and the community at large or overall, pardon me? I, I think that the, as proposed development is responsible development and growth, we're going from heavy commercial through this site to single family residential and you're providing a transition. Transitions are typically going to be uh, institutional uses such as the churches and schools. They're going to be uh, office uses, which are not really marketable right now because of the COVID pandemic. And so then you're stuck with multifamily, but we don't want pure multifamily here. That's clearly not appropriate. And so, uh, a slightly higher density attached single family residential development seems perfectly fine. And it's a new product as well. It's all new, yeah. And and it's it's individually design. platted and individually owned. So these are they're not, you know, apartment buildings or anything like that. You, you mentioned the traffic analysis. Uh, the traffic analysis uh, did not warrant any additional roadway improvements in excess of what was already being proposed. Correct? Well, in excess of what our ordinance already requires. Sure. And that the public works director did review the TOA and he, and that's basically what he said. He said, well, we, that's what we require anyway. So I have no comments on the TOA. We have planned improvements at the intersection of 900 East and Charles Nelson drive. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm about, yeah, yes. The, the creation of that roundabout, I believe that would have a positive impact on the traffic around this proposal. Yeah. And, and the public works director has been uh, uh, pretty protective about that roundabout. Uh, he actually required more improvements when, as they're developing a lot too, and 
Harvest Landing than the, he was more concerned with the development of Lot Two and Harvest Landing than he was with this little AD unit uh, apartment or, or a single-family residential sure. project. Um, my understanding is that improvement to that roundabout will be completed prior to this development being built out. More than likely. I mean, uh, I think the plan is to start it uh, in the spring of next year and have it completed by fall of next year. See, I, I don't I don't think they can build those 80 units in that in that amount of time. <clears throat> yeah, perhaps I'm seeing I'm seeing. I'm, head not, or, uh, I'm not a builder, but um, is it safe to say that the traffic congestion today might not be the same once this once our road improvement roundabout project will be completed? So those concerns aren't necessarily valid for the future where this development. Yeah, I mean, when the roundabout, the, the roundabout has been designed to mitigate some of the efficiencies in this road, road in this area of the roadway. Um, so, I, uh, and we're only, at peak time, we're only adding about 30 cars from, from this development. So it's, it's not gonna be a significant impact. That was all I had. I wanted to make sure I, I got them all five. I think I got them all five in there. Um, any further questions for staff? If not, we'll call the petitioner up. Any questions for them? All right. Thanks, Thanks Bill. Bill. <clears throat> please, uh, for the record, state your name and address, please. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, Mr. President, members of the council, good evening. Uh, my name is John Moore. My address is 50 South Meridian Street, Suite 700, Indianapolis 46204. Here tonight uh, with you on behalf of uh, Lennar Holmes. Uh, in the crowd, I have Tony Bogato with Lennar Holmes, and I also have Matt Brown with ANF Engineering who did our traffic analysis for this site, and we appreciate you hearing uh, this case uh, this evening. Uh, I, I wanna start just I want to make one minor clarification. We were talking about remonstrance for this hearing. I think we had two at the last hearing uh, for the plan commission uh, uh, that were that were here, and and the spoke and did speak to the to the traffic, which I know is a concern. Uh, Bill did a great job, but I'll, I'll start with we talk about this site. As we know, it is approximately 11 acres. It's unimproved, just north of Costco and the future Ace Hardware. Uh, Hendricks Regional Health and YMCA is there to the west. And then we have the Prairie Trail subdivision to the north. Uh, this is an infill site, uh, as was discussed. It's sandwiched between that heavy commercial to the south, as well as the single family residential to the north. Uh, the site is currently zoned R2. Uh, R2 does not permit townhomes. That's the reason for the request for the rezoning. Uh, so we have to uh, rezone to either R3 or R4. R3 has a four unit per acre density. R4 has a 10 unit per acre density. So we're sort of like R3 plus. We've, we're asking for R4, but we're only to the seven, not to the 10. Uh, there is a maximum of 80 units permitted uh, on this site. And in these townhomes, given this location, you know what you'd, uh, and I'll show you some pictures here in a moment, but, but our intended uh, market here would be, you know, young physicians, nurses, physicians assistants, teachers, and so forth. 
uh, as we'll see later, these will be low to mid 300s uh, will be the price of these townhomes. Here's the concept plan. Uh, and uh, as I said, Bill did a great job explaining uh, the concept here. It is 80 uh, townhome units. Uh, the uh, tree uh, conservation area there to the north between uh, the units and Prairie Trace as a 50 foot buffer. And we do have a trail along County Road 900 East and the Southern property line uh, connecting into the trail at the Hendricks Regional property. Uh, this development does have 18% open space. And uh, as we'll get here to a moment, it does have an interior uh, park uh, that we've added here uh, to, the, to the interior of the development. Now this proposal was before the plan commission uh, last year. The plan had 109 units. Uh, we've brought it back. Uh, now we've capped it at 80 units. And to do that, uh, the primary change there is uh, we did eliminate the townhomes here and that resulted in us having this park area here, uh, interior to the site. Uh, we also added some parking nodes along uh, the development, because as you'll see, one of our commitments is we will uh, prohibit parking on the street uh, of, the, of the development. So we have less units, almost a 30% reduction, common, common uh, park area, the park areas and the 50 foot tree conservation area. These townhomes, there'll be two to three bedrooms, two and a half baths, 1,700 to 1,800 square feet. They'll be in the low to mid 300,000s and they will be for sale to owner and owner occupied. Uh, the exterior of these homes will be maintained by the homeowners association. Uh, so they'll, they're maintenance free on the exterior. Uh, there'll be an irrigation system, snow removal, lawn care, all provided by the homeowners association. Uh, there'll be no transient VRBO or Airbnb rentals. Uh, any uh, rental must be for a minimum of 30 days. And as timing, uh, we'd be looking uh, if we were able to get approval to start construction sometime in 2024 with homeowners uh, moving in in late 2024 to early 2025. Buildings will be four units to six units. You're looking at here is a six unit uh, building structure. Uh, oh, I went too far. There's a four unit uh, structure. And as Bill pointed out, those would meet the architectural standards for the uh, single family uh, detached homes. Quick, quick question on that. Yes, sir. Uh, this might be for Bill, just making sure that includes anti-monotony, all the texture, character that we've pushed for over the years. Yes. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> interiors of homes, they'll have high-end finishes, open concept, stainless steel appliances, quartz countertops, uh, nine-foot ceilings, uh, smart technology, and chrome fixtures. Uh, very, very nice townhomes. As I indicated, we did uh, remove 29 townhomes from the prior proposal and instead added this park area uh, in the middle of the development. We'll also have that eight foot asphalt path that'll run along the southern property line of the development and then and along 900 and connect into the YMCA trail as well. Uh, Lennar has several designs for a park area. We'll work with staff on this. This is just one rendering, one possibility. There's also one that has uh, you know, the old monkey bars like we used to play on as kids and so forth that we could certainly incorporate in there as well. 
uh, we'll, we'll work with staff, but this is a rendering of, of, of the type of uh, playground equipment and improvements uh, we would have in that area. It was discussed the tree conservation area. Uh, there is a, uh, an existing line of mature trees that divides uh, this development and Prairie Manor to the north. Uh, we've agreed to preserve that area here. Uh, we will not disturb those trees unless it's required for uh, utilities uh, or drainage. But if we do have to remove a tree for utilities or drainage, it'll be replaced with two trees. And we'll work with staff on that to get their approval for those trees. So it'll be a two for one uh, swap uh, if, we, if we do have to do that. So what that results in with respect to Prairie Manor is, uh, we've got the 50 foot buffer. I also did a measurement for the homes. They already sit 161, 170, and 128 feet off of the property line. So uh, these three homes here, they will be, uh, these two will be over 200 feet from any structure here. This one will be just under 200 feet, uh, more than half the length of a football field uh, away. And again, these are townhomes will run north south. So they'll really only be looking at the side of a couple townhomes there. Won't be anything uh, backing up to them. Also, just looking at this, this infill uh, townhome development, it'll also provide a nice buffer. Uh, like we, we refer to it as the transition between the Costco and the Ace hardware to those single family homes as well as, as the church. Then here I've got a photograph. This is the existing tree line. I was out there a few months ago, took this photograph uh, from the YMCA property. That's the existing heavy, thick tree line that exists now that we will preserve through that uh, conservation easement. Bill talked a little bit about the comprehensive plan. And the comprehensive plan was adopted in 2017, prior to Costco, prior to the ACE hardware. And our site, sits right on this where the area retail and the specialty housing abut, right there. What happened when Costco and now the Ace Hardware came in, you've squeezed the site right here so that area retail now just creeps a little bit over into the site and then we got the specialty housing. Uh, given the unique L shape of this site, the limited amount of road furniture out on 900 e the site really doesn't lend itself to area retail uh, any longer. I think if we were to go back today and look at the comprehensive plan, like Bill said, we would shift these lines and this specialty housing would take in this little 11 acre sliver here with the heavy commercial stopping here. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't think that uh, it would be appropriate there for us to have a Dollar General or a Walgreens in an aerial retail type development that just doesn't provide the transition that these single family homes need. Instead, the specialty housing is more appropriate uh, there to provide uh, that transition. The other item we'll see, we talked about traffic a little bit a moment ago. Uh, you'll see the minimal traffic impact that our proposed development has. Uh, when we looked at the numbers, if you put 50,000 square foot of area retail there, in the morning, the traffic would more than double. In an evening, it would be more than five times uh, what our development uh, produces there on that property. 
We talked a little bit about the uh, emergency access drive uh, that we've been working with Costco on. Uh, again, as Bill rightly pointed out, this is a long, narrow, L-shaped property, uh, just sort of uh, squeezed in between uh, the Costco, the Ace, and the single-family residential. We've worked with Costco to get this emergency access. Uh, at the plan commission hearing, Oh, first we're gonna talk about, here we go. So in the staff report, uh, it points out that we have worked with the Avon Fire Department for that emergency access. And the Avon Fire Department did lay out four commitments for us. Talk about proper signage, a drive that's 20 feet wide and able to support 80,000 pounds, Knox pad gate, and there's gonna to need to be an agreement for who's responsible for maintenance. We've agreed to all four of those items uh, as part of the development. Uh, to that end, we have been meeting with Costco, the folks at Lennar have. This was the email we had at the plan commission hearing where Costco intends to reasonably cooperate with Lennar regarding Lennar's request for an emergency access easement. Since that time, there has actually been a draft document that's being circulated between Lennar and Costco that does call for, uh, in connection with the project, grantee, that being Lennar, has requested the grantor, that being Costco, grant a permanent easement over the portion of grantor's property as described and depicted in Exhibit E, attached here to and made a part here of for emergency vehicle access. They're still working on some of the language there about the maintenance and the sharing of the costs and so forth. Uh, once this document is agreed to between Lennar and Costco, it then goes to Mr. Taylor and the staff. They comment on it, make sure that it's acceptable to them. And then at that point, it'll be put in front of the plan commission at Platting. And if, assuming that's approved, then it, then it would be signed immediately after that uh, for that emergency access. We did have a traffic operation analysis done. ANF Engineering uh, did perform that analysis uh, based on the prior traffic study that showed the 2028 traffic out on 900E. They did that in comparison to what uh, our traffic will add to 900E. And in doing that, uh, the conclusion is the proposed development will have a minimal traffic impact, minimal traffic impact on County, 900, County Road 900E due to the small amount of peak hour traffic generated by the site. And when we look at that traffic, so in the morning, peak hour traffic 21, in the evening, peak hour traffic 27. When you look at the increase on 900E based on the traffic that obviously is generated by Costco and the development around there, that increase were about 3.4%, 2.2% in the evening, 3.4 in the morning, 2.2 in the evening. So this development has a very minimal uh, effect on the traffic. Talking about retail, looking if we put 50,000 50, square feet of retail on the site, in the AM, that number goes from 21 to 52, uh, more than doubles. And in the PM, that count would go from 27 to 156, more than five times the traffic generated uh, by what our development generates. ANF did have some recommendations uh, that were discussed. The capacity analysis have shown that all approaches to this intersection will operate at acceptable levels of service during the AM and PM peak hours with the following recommended intersection conditions. 
construction of the eastbound full access drive with one inbound and one outbound lane. That's the boulevard entrance that we will install. Construction of an exclusive northbound left turn lane along County Road 900E, we'll do that. And the intersection should be stop controlled with the access drive stopping for County Road 900E. And obviously we will do that as well. The staff and the public works director, they reviewed the traffic analysis and their conclusion was that they concur with the conclusions of the analysis. Uh, staff says in summary, there will be some delays in leaving the subdivision during the morning and evening peak hours, but the development itself will not degrade the level of service along County Road 900 East during those times. I know uh, Bill talked about the commitments at the, at the plan commission, there were three commitments that the staff was recommending. We agreed to all those, that we won't have any apartments uh, in, in the development. Uh, the required architectural standards are that of single family detached dwellings as required by the UDO. And then the eight, fault, eight foot asphalt path that will run through the development along 900 and then also connect into the Satori Point PUD. At the plan commission, we added six additional commitments so the first three are the same ones that the staff recommended. Uh, the fourth we added, which was in our petition, but we, we uh, memorialized it with a, the development shall consist of no more than 80 dwelling units. Uh, the 50 foot wide tree conservation and buffer yard, uh, we added as, as a commitment uh, between the development and Prairie Manor. The restrictive covenants shall prohibit on-street parking on the streets within the development. The exterior of the townhome shall be maintained by the HOA. Any lease of a townhome shall be for a minimum of 30 days. And the developer shall complete the improvements as recommended by the traffic operations analysis prepared by ANF Engineering dated November 2023. Mr. Pope went through the criteria uh, with uh, Mr. Peoples, so I won't belabor these. Uh, more than just mentioning the staff has gone through them and found that this development does comply with all five statutory criteria and that there are facts to support those findings uh, that this does uh, meet each of the five statutory requirements for a rezoning. And then lastly, in summary, uh, again, this is an approximately 11 acre infill site, unimproved. Uh, we're proposing 80 townhomes maximum this is an appropriate transitional use for the infill site. We'll have two to three bedrooms, two and a half baths at approximately 1,700 to 1,800 square feet. Estimated price is the low to the mid 300s. We agree to all of planning staff's requested commitments. The proposed development will have a minimal traffic impact on 900E. Uh, the planning staff recommends approval and the plan commission forwarded a favorable recommendation for approval to the town council. And with that, we respectfully request approval of our rezoning petition, and we're happy to answer any questions that you have. Open up the floor for any questions for the petitioner. Got them all knocked out. I've been through this several times, so I've got mine answered. I appreciate all your work and, and you guys offering to do above what the um, staff had asked for. But we, we want to be a good neighbor. And that you address the um, the concerns or questions that we had even during our introduction. So thank you. Well, rather, I love to have A and F come. Kind of 
I'd love to have ANF come and talk about all the analysis, but I think that would put everyone to sleep. So I will defer any comment. Are, if there are no further questions, would anyone like to make a motion? I'll make a motion that we approve Ordinance 2023-25, the Village Place Town Homes. I'll second that. Yep. You'll second, Steve. We yes. have a first and a second. Julie, would you take a roll call vote, please? Don Lawton? Four. Steve Eisenbarth? Four. Craig Zuzan? Four. Arbor Pope? Four. Thank you all very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next item on the agenda, final reading, Ordinance 2023-21, 2023 Additional Appropriations. And I assume you're speaking to this one, Ms. Loker. Final, final adoption. Uh, final yep. reading, pardon me. The additional appropriations, as you know, it's um, money that we've received in revenue throughout the year that we just need to appropriate because we're going to spend it. Any, any questions for it. staff? <laughs> if not, would anyone like to make a motion? This is final reading. I make a motion. We adopt ordinance 2023-21, the 2023 additional appropriations as presented. Second. We have a first and a second. Julie, would you take a roll call vote, please? Craig Susan? Four. Don Loudon? Four. Robert Pope? Four. Steve Eisenbarth? Four. <clears throat> Next item on the agenda, final reading ordinance 2023-22, the 2024 holiday ordinance. And I assume you're speaking to this one, right? I will. The town council before the end of every year has to adopt what our holiday schedule is uh, for the employees. Uh, it has been customary for us to have 13 uh, holidays and this ordinance that's presented to you has the 13 holidays for 2024. Happy to answer any questions. Any questions? If not, entertain a motion. I'll make a motion that we accept as presented. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we have a first. Do we need to know what we're approving? Oh, the what ordinance? That's a great. That's. It's. Do you, you want to amend your motion to include the ordinance that we're adopting? Okay, so I'm looking here. It's the 2023 dash. 22. 22. 22. <clears throat> 22. Sorry. Nope. Holiday ordinance. No. I've got my numbers wrong on this one. So, Here, well, yeah, okay. I make a motion that we approve ordinance 2023-22, the 2024 holidays as presented. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Greg's good. Made the most first. Second. Dawn seconded. Julie, would you take a roll call vote, please? Steve Eisenbarth. Four. Greg Susan. Which one are we voting on now? <laughs> the holidays. Four. Four. Dawn Loudon. Four. Robert Boat. Four. Next item on the agenda, final reading ordinance 2023-23, the 2024 salary ordinance. Uh, again, you're speaking of this one, right? Yeah, again, we the council introduced this at your last meeting, but you guys are required before the end of every year to adopt a maximum pay for all employees for the town. So that's what the salary ordinance is. What's being presented to you is the same as what was in the budget. So this does reflect what was approved in the budget. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Just again, for the record, this is the max. This isn't necessarily what those pays will be. Those will be up to you and the department heads. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. Any further questions? I'll make a motion that we adopt ordinance 2023-23, the 2024 salary ordinance as presented. Second. We have a first and a second. Julie, would you take a roll call vote, please? 
Steve Eisenbard? Four. Robert Pope? Four. Greg Zuzan? Four. Don Loudon? Next items, introduction of uh, ordinance 2023-24, the 2023 end of year reappropriation. And I assume you're speaking to this one as well. Yeah, Julie. I can do that. Um, at the, as you know, at the end of every year, we have to do a reappropriation of funds. Um, general, let's just take the general fund for instance. Um, we may have overspent in this one line, but we didn't spend any out of this line. Uh, for instance, one of the uh, issues we always have is during payroll. So all of, say, police overtime comes out of this one, but it doesn't break down the specialty pay and everything that's budgeted for at the beginning of the year. So the reappropriation is moving the funds that are already budgeted up to covering that because the way payroll works, we have to take it out of this one line, so we just reappropriate it. That's all you're doing is moving money that's already budgeted into the appropriate line, and that's it. I like paperwork. Any any questions for staff? You will have the exhibit before your next meeting yeah. to for show you exactly adoption. what we're moving. Yep. If no further questions, let the record show uh, ordinance 2023-24, the 2023 end of year reappropriation as introduced. Last item, guys, introduction of 20, ordinance 2023-26, amending internal controls to adopt segregation, segregation of duties policy. And I assume you're speaking to this, Mr. Taylor. Yes, this ordinance would amend your internal controls policy to include a section on segregation of duties. Uh, segregation of duties in federally funded projects and some state funded projects is already something that your staff does. It's just that <clears throat> that policy is not written into any of your policies yet. And so what this policy does is really two things. First, it takes the practice and the legal requirement and makes it a part of a policy that your employees and department heads can see and follow. Secondly, the American Rescue Plan funding that arose during the pandemic created an odd situation if Ryan is starting a project and he knows he's gonna receive federal funds, he's gonna say, well, I need to make sure under that federal policy that we have a contract provision that says that if you're suspended or debarred, if you're a vendor and you're suspended or debarred by the federal government, we can't give this project to you. And both Ryan and Steve, while aware of this uh, contractual provision, Steve Eisenbarth would be familiar with it in his business, that this is a standard thing. But what happened during the pandemic is the federal government said, well, we're going to send you all this ARP money and you can use it for whatever you want. And so if you had locally funded and committed a local project like a roundabout that wasn't federally funded and then halfway through the contract used ARP funds on that, guess what you needed to have in all those contracts? This suspension and debarment language and it wasn't in anybody's. So in this year's audit, the auditor said, we're going we're gonna to be auditing ARP next year. And one of the things they're going to ask Julie is, do you have a policy in any internal controls that requires segregation of duties? And if you pass this as we recommend, she will be able to check that box and say, yes, we do. And so this uh, formalizes your practice, but also says, if we're going to have public works contracts, let's go ahead and put the suspension and debarment language in there just in case. It, it ends up being federally funded, even though it's not now. And it, but anyway, it will allow this to be formalized. 
So we think we think that if you pass this, you'll be just uh, a step ahead on this audit issue, which is going to come up next year. You already practice it, but this takes care of that formalization, also that tricky wicket of uh, what didn't start out as being a federal project being a federal project. Any questions for Mr. Taylor or staff? No. All right, let the record show ordinance 2023-26, amending internal controls to adopt, adopt segregation of duties policy as introduced. Legal counsel report, Mr. Taylor. I just want to tell you how happy it makes me to watch you go through the five factors when you do a rezone. And not only do you talk about them, but you really do. You talk about them in the right way. You analyze those. And so that um, from where I sat over here on this side always makes me very happy that you're taking uh, your job seriously and doing it exactly right. I'm trying to reduce your billable hours, Bill. Dan, pardon me. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make sure we're not, you know, yeah, being, being good stewards. Uh, next item is second of two public comment, public comment opportunities. Please come forward to the microphone, state your name and address, and please limit your time to three minutes. See no rush to the microphone. We'll close that section of public comment. Next, last opportunity, council comment. Nothing for me. Close that one. Council calendar. Yeah, just real quick. I did confirm December 11th, the school board meeting, if you guys are interested, is at 7 p.m. They did move it. It's not at White Oak. It's at the intermediate school. So just in case you guys. Which one? I knew you were going to ask that. I believe I mean, it's the same building, but. East. I'll double check. I'll send you guys an invite. Thanks, Ryan. Either east or west, Ryan. It's 50 50. Yeah, 50 50. That's why I went east. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty and sure it's east because that's the newly redone one. I think Mr. Taylor has a, a calendar. He just wanted me to remind you that. Um, we do our next meeting is December 21st at 7 p.m. as well. And just a reminder that we do have dinner at 5 p.m. at Cooper's Hall. Cooper's Hall. So don't sound so disappointed. <laughs> 5 p.m. You guys should have got an invite. If you can't come, please let me or Dan know, one of the two of us, please. But please come. It's going to be nice. Thanks, everybody. Meeting adjourned. Thank you. Bye.